0: superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Welcome into Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Football Podcast. Tara Roberts here, along with Pat Fitzmorris and Chris Welsh, and today is our ranking show. We'll be going through the Fantasy Pros rankings tiers for week 14. No Billy today. He's a bit under the weather, but his replacement is no slouch. It is my Sunday live stream partner in crime, Chris Welsh. Pat and Chris will be providing their thoughts on the players in each of the tiers. and Chris is a seasoned fantasy pro ranker and one of the fantasy pros best, if I do say so myself. Maybe I'm a little bit biased here. Fitz is also amazing. He was the most accurate in-season weekly ranker in 2020 and has been consistently among the most accurate rankers in fantasy football. You can find Chris at IsItTheWelsh. You can find Pat at Fitz underscore FF. and you can find me at It'sTarraTime.com. So buckle in. Their insight is going to help you out a ton this week. Lots of people prepping for the fantasy playoffs. We're going to be covering the rankings for the running backs and receivers. And there's a ton to talk about because we've got injuries across the board yet again. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications.
0: Running backs.
1: Now we've got our top 20 players here. You can find our consensus rankings and tiers at fantasypros.com slash rankings. Now, in this top 20 here, Pat, I'll start with you. What really stands out to you here?
2: Boy, we've got Isaiah Pacheco all the way up to RB4 this week in ECR. That's pretty wild, but I don't really have a problem with it. I've got him at, uh, yeah, RB5, just one spot behind ECR. Pacheco's had at least 15 carries in each of the last four weeks, and he's had three touchdown runs in his last two games. He catches passes, but I still have him ranked behind Devon Achan this week, and I'm pretty surprised to see Achan down at RB10. Um, I mean, he comes back from his injury last week and immediately scores two touchdowns and has 103 yards from scrimmage. What are we waiting for? Devon Achan is the top five running back.
1: I'm surprised there, too. I guess maybe skepticism around people being able to trust him, a little bit of trauma. Maybe Maybe that's it. I don't know, but I agree with you on that one. Chris, what stands out to you here?
3: Yeah, the h n one seems odd. That one seems really weird. Because, uh, Terry, you and I doing the show, by the way, hilariously crazy, you hosting. And I'm sitting I here now, you have all the control. <laughs> it feels crazy. But we were talking a lot about HN And I have also come to the conclusion, I will forever no longer doubt a talented running back coming off of injury because it was like two weeks ago Kyron Williams I'm like let's be careful everybody Eh. and then HN same thing and it was wrong so I don't understand why if we consider him RB1 like high-end RB1 where it shoots in at 11 I mean he had his second highest carry total in his game coming back from injury he had 19 touches in this game which is absurd and we know the touchdown markers are high so I agree with Pat I think a is the one that should be the steady steady incliner here uh, the other guy that stood out to me and actually it, it looks like it's starting to stabilize but I'm really into Saquon Barkley this week and I'm surprised Saquon I, I, maybe I shouldn't be like too surprised that he's not going incredibly higher but Saquon is one of those guys that um that I th- I think can push the top five Packers. They've been in top 10 most fantasy points given up to running backs over the last month and the second most rushing yards to RBs over the last month. And a lot of projection totals, you're already seeing 90 yards. We have a three catch projection on uh, Saquon. And I think this team is playing from behind and they're going to be throwing the ball to Saquon as well. So I think Saquon has got more upside on the ranks. But if we are putting a hyper-focus on what stands out as an oddity, it's a chan. It's definitely chan here. And then, you know, the other one, this is rubber meets the road here. Pat, you were dead right in all of the stuff you did last week about questioning Austin Eckler. This is one we should do. I had almost wrote this whole thing about this, questioning Austin Eckler's value last week. Oh, hey, he can be a 10. Well, this week he is getting all the benefit of the doubt and he's coming in as a consensus number five. The problem is this is incredible matchup, worst, worst run defense over the entire season in the Denver Broncos versus an Eckler that has not broken out. We have not seen like a positive touchdown regression in his favor this um, so far this season, and we just haven't seen the volume. So which side breaks? And I feel like we've done this all year long. And Pat, I'd be curious what you have to say about Eckler here, because all season long, this has been like, oh, hey, Tony Pollard stinks. Now he's going up against the Giants. Oh, hey, this, you know, they always, it like, when we're just about fed up, we get to this spot where they have the best matchup. If Eckler can't be RB5 against the Broncos, he can't be at rest of season. Here's the problem. It's week 14, the most important week here. So I'm a little bit torn. I'm going on the side of giving him the benefit here because of how bad Denver is. But he's got to score touchdowns. Do you think he's still a RB 10 or lower, Pat? That's my take to Welsh. Like
2: I, I've i been fading him pretty consistently in the rankings because I've seen the same things you guys have. I mean, he just does not look like vintage Austin Eckler. But yes, with the matchup, I'm behind ECR, but I still have him in the top 10. I think I've got him at six or seven. So um, yeah, you're playing him. If, if you have Austin Eckler and you've limped your way to the cusp of the playoffs with Eckler underperforming for you. um, You have to be pretty excited that maybe this matchup can help get him over and give you an Austin Eckler type of performance.
1: That's a good point there. You, If you've made it this far with him, you've been starting him, now's not the time to bail out. It's just been so difficult to trust. But we'll learn a lot here. wish we had learned it sooner in the season, but we will definitely learn a lot here in this matchup. By the way, guys, our consensus rankings and tiers can be found at fantasypros.com slash rankings. And make sure that you're also using my playbook app for our updated rankings. All right, we're going to jump into the B tier here. It is a small tier, but we got somebody that we want to talk about. It is just Brees Hall, and it is just Derrick Henry, and we're going to talk about Brees Hall here. I was excited to talk about this one with you guys when I saw your rankings, because Brees Hall, oh man, it has been a struggle for someone that we know has so much high upside here, and it's just being held back by team overall in that offensive line. ECR has him at RB21. Pat, you've got him at RB16. Chris, you've got him at RB19. So you guys are feeling Brees Hall, trusting him a little bit more this week. I'll start off with you, Pat, because you've got the the more dramatic different from ECR here. RB16, what's the confidence level here with Brees Hall?
2: Oh, um, not where I wish it was, Tara, but um, it's... <sighs> It's still some degree of confidence in a really, really good player. And um, Rich Rebar of Sharp Football, one of the the sharpest minds in the fantasy football industry, he noted earlier this week that among 42 qualifying running backs, Brees Hall is either last or second to last in a bunch of rushing metrics uh, over the last seven games. Success rate, explosive run rate, percentage of runs that have failed to gain yardage, Percentage of runs to result in either a first down or touchdown. Like Hall is last or second to last in all of those metrics. And it's been really bad on the ground for Brees Hall lately. Yes, he's averaged 2.4 yards per carry over his last seven games, but he's also caught 36 passes for 290 yards and two touchdowns over that stretch. So he is still finding a way to contribute despite the severe limitations that his very mediocre supporting cast uh imposes upon him and look I think Hall is one of the five or six most talented running backs in the league and as bad as things have been for the Jets running game over the last seven weeks uh Hall's still RB 18 in fantasy points per game over that stretch so I'm still going to trust him enough to put him in my lineup this week and uh you know the matchup against Houston kind of neutral it's not like it's a really difficult matchup so I'm still playing him.
1: I mean the good news is this that targets have been there regardless of who's at quarterback. So maybe we can have a little bit of a trust level with him. Chris, how are you feeling about Brees Hall this week?
3: Yeah, I think Pat said it pretty well. I mean the ultimately the problem is the offense. I want to trust I think if you had Brees Hall, I mean, put Brees Hall on the Packers. You know, we're talking about him top ten every so really like 26 other teams. If we had Brees Hall at, we're talking about him as one of the best backs and the best bets every single week. I mean, the target share he takes receiving as a running back is absurd. Look at this. I think it's 23 targets over the last three games. And he has had at least five catches in three of the last games. Problem is, is as far as, top 10 finishes go since week eight, where he had a top eight finish. We don't have a top 10 finish. We don't have a top 12 finish in half PPR. We have one inside the top 25 since week eight. And we have some really favorable matchups that have been in there. The chargers, Vegas, Buffalo. I mean, those are some favorable matchups. He will get volume. The receptions give him a floor, but he has not been able to stand out. Probably not completely just due to him, but due to this ineffective offense. I mean, who's the quarterback? <laughs> Who, who's the quarterback? <laughs> What's going on with this team? It's a, it, you said it, it's a neutral matchup, but Brees is a neutral fantasy option right now. And that's what stinks.
1: That's a good point there. Any, any concerns around Dalvin cook? We've had zero concerns around Dalvin cook and he's not usable there, but he did get that mild theoretical increase last week.
3: Yeah, I wonder if that increase also maybe had a little bit to do. We, we've had some questions with Brees, you know, his injury status over the last couple of weeks. That you know maybe getting him out of some drives, but also like you just, how much can you, how much can you use Brees, especially when you can't even use him to the effect of being an effective runner. That that's the like the worst part about this. As far as carries go, he has not had more than fifteen carries four straight weeks yet he's still getting 17 to 20 touches a game simply because of the receptions. So I think it's more than anything, it's just about spelling and having some fresh legs out there. I don't think it's going to take away from the volume and, you know, Dalvin is a nothing burger, a big old nothing burger.
1: I like the way you phrase that. <laughs> Before we move on to the next year, can you believe that we are this deep into the NFL season? We got to make every second count. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can make the most out of every game day. Bet on your favorite teams for a shot at winning big bucks. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting five on any matchup. Maybe you want to look at lines from some of the players that we're covering here today. Maybe Brees Hall. You can do that on DraftKings. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use code FANTASYPROS. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just five bucks on the NFL only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code FANTASYPROS. The crown is yours.
0: Dot com slash sportsbook for details and state specific responsible gambling resources eligibility and deposit restrictions apply bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms
1: moving on to RC plus tier here it's a very interesting tier that we've got here we've got jerome ford Jalen warren gus edwards and alexander madison we're gonna pull a couple names out of this tier and Gus Edwards, man, I and this one, I I can't wait to get the input from you guys. Because if we go back to maybe people have forgotten, because we had a bye week. But if we go back to week 12, man, I feel like we saw a flip there. And it wasn't dramatic from an actual fantasy production standpoint. But looking at the numbers, are we on the cusp of a flip here between Gus Edwards and Keaton Mitchell? ECR has him at RB 24. Pat, you've got him at RB 28. Chris, you got him in RB31. I am completely on board with you guys. I don't know if I can get to ECR or on Gus Edwards with this one. Chris, I'll start off with you. Are you worried about Gus Edwards moving forward?
3: Yeah, Gus Edwards is completely touchdown dependent. Yes, he scored a touchdown in five straight games, which is fantastic. That is what has built up all the value. But here you go. When Edwards does not score a touchdown he has not ranked higher than 35th at running back in half PPR 35th when he doesn't score a touchdown. So, you can make the the case that he continue, he was able to score two touchdowns on five carries in week nine. And he's had, obviously, that huge run of touchdown score. So I don't want to take that away from him. But Keaton Mitchell is getting more run, and he is getting a higher snap share. Gus Now, obviously, if this offense is moving and Lamar's moving it and they're going to get Gus in into goal line situations, even a little bit of Justice Hill, Justice Hill makes this screwed up as well. So I'm... I'm a little bit, I I don't, I don't want to completely say, oh, hey, Gus Edwards, it can be nothing whatsoever, but his totals are telling you if he doesn't score a touchdown, he is nothing. I will say Rams have given up five rushing touchdowns all year. They've also given up only one since week eight. So if you got a touchdown dependent guy going up against a team that hasn't given up a rushing touchdown in like five weeks while usage is going to a more explosive player, I'm a hard pass on Gus Edwards. I can't stomach players like this, even if they show out big. There's a lot of other directions I would want to go clearly because I've got him at 31.
1: Oh, that is. Oh, that's a very, very good point there about the defensive matchup. Something to really pay attention to with these touchdown dependent guys. Pat, for you, you're also a little bit lower on him. I, I'm curious as well. Who do you have ranked higher, Gus Edwards or Keaton Mitchell?
2: Oh, I do have Gus a little bit higher just because of that. Uh, the odds of a touchdown are, are pretty good. I mean, like you can make the case, and you made the great point, Tara, about Keaton Mitchell before the Ravens went on by uh, in week 13. We did see that bump in Keaton Mitchell usage in week 12. So that'll be an interesting possible trend for us to monitor in week 14 um but yeah i'm i'm with welsh as far as pretty much everything he said about basically just uh you need that touchdown for gus edwards to pay off because he just does not have the yardage as a safety net to fall back on if he doesn't get into the end zone he's averaging 49.2 rushing yards per game and other than a freak 80 yard touchdown uh not even a touchdown catch he had a freak 80-yard reception earlier in the season that has basically accounted for about 60% of his receiving yardage. He does nothing in the passing game. So, uh, granted, despite the matchup, I, I think I still do like the odds of scoring a touchdown. Like, I, maybe it's better than 50-50, but he needs to score that touchdown if he's going to provide you with a satisfying point total.
1: Before we move on to the next tier, we've got one more player to cover in here. It is Alexander Madison. We've got these players that it feels like it's been forever since we've seen them. Alexander Madison here. ECR's got him at RB26. Pat, you've got him at RB29. Billy, or well, Chris... (laughs) (laughs) Instincts there (laughs) Chris Billy is not here Chris You've got him At RB30 And this one Is very interesting Because we had Ty Chandler Who made a little bit Of an impact There in the prior game Prior to the last one And then disappeared And Alexander Madison Just kind of dominating there But it's really difficult To trust him We've got the possibility Of Justin Jefferson Being back this week And how that's going To impact the offense A running quarterback And Josh Dobbs There's just so many Factors here with Alexander Madison. And you guys are pretty much on board. And don't worry, we've got some debates coming here. There's a lot of agreement going on between Pat and Chris, which is a good sign here. That means that, you know, these rankings that they're doing are ones that obviously, you know, we need to look at when we're looking at ECR and maybe rethink some stuff. But right here, you guys are in agreement. We have Pat, you've got him at RB29. Chris, you've got him at RB30. So, Alexander Madison here. ECR's got him at RB26. What's, what's the hesitation here? Pat, I'll start off with you.
2: Well, on one hand, it looks like Ty Chandler does not pose an existential threat to Madison's role with the Vikings after all. But uh, Madison is still only RB30 and half point PPR scoring this season, and he scored double digit points just once in his last seven games. Um Madison is averaging forty-nine and a half rushing yards a game, only three point eight yards per carry. Hasn't had a touchdown run all season. Um, he's had three touchdown catches, but as you mentioned, Tara, with Justin Jefferson coming back, maybe they don't need him to have that big a role in the passing game this week. So um Madison has even with Jefferson out, he's seen two or few targets, uh two or fewer targets in each of his last five games. There's just Not a lot to like here, even though Madison is a pretty favorable matchup against the Raiders, who have allowed the sixth most fantasy points to running backs. But boy, um, just not a lot of big play potential and just, you know, not a lot of upside overall for Alexander Madison.
1: Chris, Pat mentioned the, um, the matchup there against Las Vegas being beneficial, but it feels like we still can't really trust him. What are your thoughts around Alexander Madison this week?
3: Yeah, again, not to keep going with the same thing um, in in agreement here, but I I don't. Well, I, I have do have one disagreement is I don't know if we are affirmative that Alexander Madison isn't or that Ty Chandler isn't an existential threat. Like it was one game. We had double digit carries the two prior games. Madison has not built any level of confidence into this offense outside of old coach. We got to just keep getting the same guy, then doing the same stupid stuff. You know, uh, Ty Chandler got, I think four carries last week, but Madison had 10, they had 14 total carries and we had double digit carries the two weeks prior with Chandler. So I do think Chandler still poses some form of a threat. while Justin Jefferson comes back while Madison is also not that good over the last uh, looking over here. And half PPR over the last six weeks, he has one finish inside the top 10, but the rest 30 or out 30 or lower. He has finished. And I know the one of the other little tiny disagreements you talk about the Raiders, the Raiders have been a favorable matchup, sure. But over the last three games, the Raiders have held teams to under 100 yards rushing when this is a more predominant passing team. And you can also pass on the Raiders. So I just, it's it kind of comes back to like the Gus Edwards thing. Like I need, I want volume or big play. And guess what? Madison and Gus Edwards, they both lack both of those things. Madison even worse maybe than Gus Edwards because there's not a touchdown threat. He do, he's not a big explosive play guy. He doesn't get volume and he's not a major touchdown threat. If I'm, if I have to start Madison, sure. But in this case, there's no reason to rank him high or feel that he's going to have a big, big breakout game.
1: Mm, See, yeah, I'm I'm with you there. in that if if we hadn't, you know, and I was pre thinking I do a top 10 waiver wire ads for the week here. And as I was pre thinking about my waivers heading into Sunday and in the middle of the games, my thought process was, is that Ty Chandler is still worth an ad or still worth a stash, just in case last the prior week was a blip. And we do see continued usage from him heading into the fantasy playoffs. But the only The only issue I had there was that we had so many players getting injured and we're actually going to, that's a good transition into the C tier because there's somebody who has moved up into the C tier due to injuries. This is a big tier. We're going to pull out multiple players here. And this is a very interesting tier. Usually this C tier has some guys that are obviously very questionable. We talk it over. We're feeling like we can't trust them. But this C tier, mildly juicy, if I do say so myself, this week for everyone dealing with those massive injuries that happen. Starting off, we've got Najee Harris. We've got Ezekiel Elliott. AJ Dillon, obviously benefiting from that injury, to Aaron Jones. Keaton Mitchell, who we talked about with Gus Edwards. Chuba Hubbard getting time over Miles Sanders. Tajay Spears. Devin Singletary, and Khalil Herbert. This is not the dreadful tear that it is sometimes this week. Maybe it helps that we only have two teams on a bye week but we're going to pull out Ezekiel Elliott right here and talk about him first. Ramondre Stevenson dealing with the ankle injury there, and we are getting Ezekiel Elliott season yet again. We are traveling back in time. This is going to be a fun one here ECR has him at RB29. Pat, you got him at RB22. You are feeling Zeke this week. Chris, you got him at RB28. Spoiler alert, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of on Pat's side on this one here. I'm a little bit higher on Ezekiel Elliott. Pat, talk us through it.
2: Uh, I can only get so excited about any player in a Thursday <laughs> night game with a Vegas total of
3: 30 points. Uh, oh, I even saw it go to 29 and a half. 20, Don't set oh them God. short. So we ugly. are going to set the record. I think I looked there are seven games in NFL history that had a total under 30 or thirty or under, wow. and uh, this game is going to push the limits. This big, powerful uh, offensive <laughs> shootout, Pat.
2: Yeah, we are we are down into the realm of Iowa <laughs> Hawkeyes football as far as the Vegas <laughs> total on this one. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean Zeke's appeal this week is all about volume with Ramondre out. Um, Zeke is a good bet to get somewhere around twenty touches against a Pittsburgh defense that has not been an especially difficult matchup for running backs. I think the the Steelers have allowed the 14th most fantasy points to running backs and look we're obviously not getting the glorious vintage Ezekiel Elliott of uh you know his early Cowboys career but I think Zeke is still good enough to provide low-end RB2 value if he gets RB1 usage and I think he's going to get it this week out of necessity
1: I feel the exact way. Yeah, to me, he's an RB2. You talked about it. Volume, volume, volume. He's got the receiving upside, had four catches, 40 yards. That's it. And that's just something that you can expect from him in this offense. That's a nice baseline there of eight fantasy points that you know you can get tacked on to whatever yardage he can muster up. And if for some reason, the Patriots just happen to luck up and get near the goal line. If it happens, it's probably not going to happen, but if it does happen, we know at the very least Zeke can fall into the end zone. Now, Chris, you are in line with ECR. Tell us about how you're
3: feeling about Ezekiel Allia this week. Yeah, this is like almost solely about how dreadful the Patriots are. That's the big thing. I completely agree. I want, I mean, I'm over here railing against non volume players, and then you present me a volume player. But guess what? I got Elliott over Edwards. I like him over some of those guys because I, I totally agree. This is a volume play. Uh, Elliott had 21 touches for 92 yards and five targets in this past game when Ramondre was out. That's great. We know he's going to be able to get that. Steelers have also, by the way, given up 100 yards rushing on 24 carries to RBs on average this season. And they have average given up five passing targets to RB. So, I mean, that works well in his favor. But over the last month, Steelers are in the bottom eight. They've given up the eighth least fantasy points to RBs in that time, though there have been some touchdowns. And you're just giving me a volume running back on maybe the worst offense in football on a Thursday night game on short rest against a Steelers team that can play up or, you know, I mean, they can play either side of it, but the Steelers aren't going to be scared. What is the thing you can do on the Steelers? Like a couple of these teams, 49ers, you can pass on them. You can pass on them all day. The Patriots can't pass. There's, I don't even know who their quarterback is. They, they don't know who their quarterback is. So if they can't pass the Steelers are going to just be able to put guys up front and, the, and this is going to have to be Elliot catching eight passes in my mind for him to be able to be an RV two. So I'm not completely hating. You can start him. I like him over a couple of the guys we already talked about. I'd rather him than Madison or Gus Edwards, but I just don't see crazy upside because I literally don't know if the Patriots are going to score a touchdown again this week. They might not score any points on uh, in this matchup. So, It's cool. It's fun. It helps your teams with any type of injuries going into the playoffs, but it is pure volume with a bad supporting offense. And and I'm just, I don't get super excited about that.
1: That's a good point. Rankings in perspective. You've got him ahead of Alexander Madison. you got him ahead of Gus Edwards. So we are going with the volume here. Perspective in terms of these guys that we're pushing further back, a little bit riskier, and someone that is getting the volume play here. Someone else that could be getting the volume play yet again. Chiba Hubbard. We want to pull him out and talk about him tier two. And I think you guys are feeling the potential volume on this one. ECR has him at RB30. Pat, you got him at RB25. Chris, you got him at RB22. I like this trend here, uh, man, I, I got to tell you, heading into the year, if you had told me that Miles Sanders was going to lose his job to Chuba Hubbard, I would have thought you were crazy, but it's officially happened. You look at the numbers, he is just outperforming Miles Sanders in every single metric. I don't see it flipping back here, so I'm with you guys. Chris, I'll start off with you. RB22, it might feel a little bit aggressive, but I, I feel like it's right.
3: a little
1: hypocrite
0: I might be because
3: I'm about to make the case for a running back on a bad team but uh, I do love Chuba Hubbard because Miles Sanders is done he's cooked the opportunity in my mind for Miles Sanders to revive this season was Frank Reich getting fired and whatever that new offense was and guess what it was it was 25 carries to Chuba Hubbard it wasn't Miles Sanders I'm Ouch on Miles Sanders. This is Chuba's team. There's actually um, a decent amount of solid metrics underlining when you're looking at like um, broken tackles and big plays and what he's on yards after contact. Projections already have, I'm looking at PFF projections, 72 yards on 13 touches. Now he's coming off of this 25 carry game. Prior to this last game, he had also had double-digit receptions in five straight games and had finished 25 or better at the position in four of the last five games and had a top 12 in the previous two games. So... I'm in on Chuba Hubbard simply because I think he's getting more volume. You're seeing solid projections on a low amount of touches, and this matchup is pretty good with the Saints. They rank rank 11th in yards after contact, or he ranks 11th uh, in yards after contact per attempt. While the Saints are giving up the 7th most fantasy points to running backs over the last month, they've also given up 7 touchdowns to running backs over the last 6 games. This is a good matchup. The Patriots are atrocious. The Panthers aren't much better, but they can sling the ball, and they will give volume, and this is a great matchup for Chuba. So I think you're getting 20 touches for Chuba again, and uh, I firmly think he's an RB, two.
1: That's a good point. That's how dire we are in terms of the Patriots point here. The team that is officially out of the playoffs and will be giving their first overall pick over to the Chicago Bears is probably a better offensive and overall team than the Patriots right now. Sad, but true. Pat, um, what are your thoughts around Chuba Hubbard here this week?
2: Well, if we had any Panthers fans listening to the show, Tara, they just checked out after that uh, depressing message. So, uh, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I I totally agree with Welsh here. Like the usage is just, it's exactly what we want. And I kind of hate that Welsh has outflanked me on the rankings here. Like I I thought I was nice and high on Chuba at RB25 and Welsh is three spots higher. But yeah, this is Chuba's backfield. A 65% snap share last week. Season high, 25 carries, 104 yards, two touchdowns. And Welsh made the point about the Saints defense. And like, I don't think that can be underscored enough. Like, that defense has completely gone to seed over the last month, month and a half. Um, New Orleans was really tough defensively early in the season, and it has not been a good defense at all in recent weeks. So, yeah, I think Hubbard is a pretty appealing play this week. Um, And I, apparently don't have him ranked high enough. You're yeah,
1: going to have to do something about that. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: Get up there we'll and play chicken. we
3: we'll play a game of chicken. <laughs> How high can we go? How high? I got 22. Your move, Pat, your move.
1: <laughs> nice. We're going to talk about one more player in this tier here. And I feel like this one is less about the rankings and more about the potential of what can happen here and the level of trust that we can have with Devin Singletary ECR has him at RB thirty three. Pat, you've got him at RB thirty five. Chris, you got him at RB thirty three. So there's not a ton of difference between ECR, but I do feel like it's one that we gotta talk about here because we went from trusting Devin Singletary and Chris. I know you'll talk about this one with me because of my lack of trust, my trust issues with Devin Singletary that I've had. But warranted this past week. Yes, warranted this past week, finally. Um, We saw this flip here with Damian Pierce, you know, feeling healthier, having more volume, goal line touches as well. And Devin Singletary, unfortunately, just kind of fade, still involved, but just kind of fading into the background here. Um, Pat, I'll start off with you. RB35, is Devin Singletary someone that you even feel that you can put into a starting lineup?
2: Oh, maybe you could flex him if you were in a pinch, Um, but this is back to being a split backfield. Singletary did play five more snaps than Pierce last week, but Pierce had 15 carries, got a goal line touchdown, which makes sense. He is like 15 pounds heavier than Devin Singletary. Uh, Just eight carries and one target for Devin Singletary, and yeah... Maybe the matchup makes Singletary sort of fringy, flex-worthy. The Jets have given up the eighth-most fantasy points to running backs, but yeah, you just can no longer count on ample touch volume for Devin Singletary, and I think that makes him pretty dicey as a fantasy play in Week 14.
1: Chris, how are you feeling about Devin Singletary?
3: Yeah. If I, well, I mean, you know how I was like, you know, beating the drum about it because he looked like he was the guy. And even when Damian Pierce came back, they didn't go back to him right away. But I think, I think the changing of the guard you can do quick enough with what just happened. I don't think they were overly committed to Devin Singletary and for them to go 15 carries back into Damian Pierce, I think really does put this in a complete split backfield. Now I do think there are some things that still work in his favor. You know, Pat mentioned, I think it was eighth on the year over the last month, the jets are actually giving up the fourth most fantasy points to running backs. And on the receiving side, On the season, that is something that the Jets have uh, been susceptible. They've given up the six most receiving yards to running backs, and they are, I believe, tied for third most receiving touchdowns to running backs. So the only reason I'm bringing this up is Damian Pierce is going to get back into being more of the volume back. We saw that this past week with the uh, with the 15 carries. Singletary is probably going to do some damage again in, uh, you know, in the past game. Eight carries this past week, 14 over the last two. But outside, if you take away this last game, he did have seven targets against the Jacks. That might be back to his role. It's five to 10 carries. It's probably going to be somewhere between two and five catches, depending how they evolve this. But he is just stuck, stuck in a situation where he is a complimentary back to Damian Pierce, even though this matchup is a little bit better uh, under the hood than what we know about the Jets' defense. I think it's hard to view him as anything more than like, oh, I have, you know, I have injuries and I'm missing players. I need to get Singletary in. I'm not looking to flex him. He's the type of running back you you have and you're like any other receiver I've got. You know, what's the receipt? Like if you're flexing, like you've got two other running backs and you're like, OK, should I put Singletary in the flex? Most likely the answer is no based on what y- you are going to have on your bench at this point. So you're getting into the territory of him not being startable because I just don't trust him, don't trust him anymore, and that kind of stinks.
1: Oh, yeah, I I feel that. Before we move on to the C- tier, it's that holiday time of year again. Looking for something different for that favorite person on your list? Think game time. Tickets for sports, concerts, and comedy shows all make a fantastic gift this year, even if it's last minute. So many games to watch on any given day. Wouldn't it be better to be there live? The best way to get tickets to any of these games this month is on GameTime, the official ticketing app of Fantasy Pros, Fantasy Football. GameTime is the only ticketing app that gives you peace of mind with your purchase. They let you see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. They're all-in prices, show your total upfront, so you always know you're getting a great deal, and it takes no time at all. You can buy tickets in seconds with... Two taps. Download the Game Time app and redeem code Fantasy Pros for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download the Game Time app and enter code Fantasy Pros, all one word, for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, this T mine C minus tier here. Zach Charbonnet, Damian Pierce. So we just talked about with Devin Singletary. Roshan Johnson, Ty Chandler, who we talked about here, Kareem Hunt. We've we've talked about so many of these guys here. Is, yeah, Pat, I'll start off with you. Is there a preference here in terms of a guy that you would pull out of this tier?
2: Boy, I mean, Roshan Johnson, who I think we're going to talk about a little more in depth pretty soon. Um, he is an interesting he's kind of a dilemma this week because we saw his usage tick up a lot in week 12 before the bears went on by, but I don't know if that was sort of a, the start of a trend or if that was matchup related, they were playing the Vikings. The Vikings were blitzing a lot. Roshan is a lot better at blitz pickup than Khalil Herbert is. So I don't know if it was entirely related to that or if it's the bears saying, Let's give the rookie more run during the stretch here and see what we have in him, maybe auditioning him for a bigger role in 2024.
1: Mm, That's a good point there. We've got Chicago, not super competitive right now. So this is that time of year where these younger guys start to get a little bit more play. Very good point there. Chris, how about you in this tier?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably, he might be the most interesting guy though. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure I'm even sold just because, you know, what, what is one of the things he's done really well? It's, you know, pass protection. Well, so is Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert's a better um, rated pass protector than that. You want to talk about explosive plays. I mean, Khalil, Khalil Herbert ranks higher pretty in uh, pretty much in every spot, yards after the you know, yards after ca- everything that it is. So, Roshan is probably going to just be a complimentary piece to Khalil Herbert, but I open up the possibilities that um, that, you know, they may give him even more run than we thought before. The rest of this tier, you know, like Damian, I mean, Damian Pierce, we just talked about this. I'm going to have Damian Pierce higher than Devin Singletary this week because of that workload and because of how bad the Jets have been recently that I could maybe get down with Damian Pierce here and scoring a touchdown and I think Charbonnet is probably the biggest name that stands out to everybody but banged up going up against a 49ers defense I it's think a, it's a horrible horrible matchup so this is a bad tier this is a bad tier to have to pick from if you are picking from it Roshan probably I mean I guess we should be honest Charbonnet has the biggest upside roshan probably has the most has the best reachable upside and damian pierce might be the safest play of this um with him probably getting anywhere from 12 to 15 carries at least
1: yeah we I, i let's hope that pete carroll can give us any kind of indication over here so we can make some kind of decision because we've got multiple running backs here, and we've got no clue what to do with them on Seattle. Moving on to the next tier, we've got the D-plus tier. It's tiny. It is Miles Sanders and Tyler Algier, and then the D-tier, Samaje P. and Kenneth Gainwell, Rico Dowdle, Jamal Williams, Darnis Johnson, Joshua Kelly, and Kenneth Walker. Again, that whole Seattle confusing. He, I, he obviously doesn't belong in this tier, but, you know, question marks around that injury, unfortunately. Kind of combining these D and, you know, let's do the D-minus tier here, because we We've got Chase Brown, Cordero Patterson, and Don Foreman. The D's tears is, it's scary. It is scary if you're dipping into it, because we've talked about several of these guys as well. When you're looking at this, um, Chris, I'll start off with you. Is there any potential upside that you could pull from any of these tears here?
3: Upside is a tough question that you just asked, because, you know, if... Etienne were not there. DeAndre Johnson would have upside. Uh, If DeAndre, we saw an uptick in Kenny Gainwell's uh, usage. I think that's going right back out the window. I think they're going to go heavy back into DeAndre Swift this week. Uh, There's not, these aren't upside plays. There's not upside plays. Again, this is the if, the what if, the Marvel's what if. Same thing with Rico Dowdle. Like Rico Dowdle actually might be the best combination here of a player that they want to get him touches. He's got big play upside. And they could always use him a little bit more. I'm not really sold anywhere else. You want your volume play of all of these tiers. It's Tyler Algier. You can't run against the Bucks, though you apparently are starting to be able to run. He's your volume play. I think Dowdle is probably your bigger home run play. And everything else, you put yourself in a really bad position if you have to s- sit from these. Now, there are guys that if injuries were to happen, like I said, Dernist up, Eckler up if uh, or at Kelly up if Eckler were to go down there's a lot of guys that you might want to have on your roster if they're sitting out on the wire going into the playoffs if something were to happen I mean learn a lesson from this insane injury by uh, injury week we just had in week 13 these are players you want if the other player goes down but starting with your season on the line I would probably start it with Algier and end it with Algier with a little sprinkle of Rico Dowdle.
1: Yeah, that's a good. These these are good guys to have on your team. They're not good guys to start this week. Pat, is there anyone that you feel you can pull from this grouping?
2: Yeah, I mean the Seattle running back situation is dicey because of the injuries with both Walker and Charbonnet banged up. I think if Walker plays, he is is startable in fantasy this week even in the tough matchup um but man, like that's that's about it. Uh Welsh men- mentioned Gainwell I think we saw DeAndre Swift get banged up at the end of last week's game. I don't know if there are any questions about his availability. Obviously, if there were, Kenneth Gainwell becomes much more attractive. But otherwise, uh, you know, he's a a committee back, even though it's a a very good offense he's in. um, Yeah, there's really no one I'm dying to start from this tier these two tiers
1: yeah <laughs> yeah i think game well might be the only one for me if you have to take a desperation heave, just could see can have receiving upside and there is a script that can kind of go his way every now and then that's what we kind of saw last week as well but we're going to move on to another segment here it is the who would you rather segment i'm going to give you guys two guys you tell me which one who would you rather play very simple The first one is Jerome Ford versus the Jaguars or Jalen Warren versus the Patriots. Pat, who would you rather Jerome Ford or Jalen Warren?
2: Oh, really close. I have Jalen Warren ranked one spot ahead of Jerome Ford this week. Uh, both of them low end RB twos, not a great matchup for Jalen Warren. The Patriots ranked second in DVOA against the run, but Najee Harris is not completely healthy. I think he was not practicing as of yesterday. And, um, We've seen the Pittsburgh running game be pretty effective over the last month overall, so maybe they can overcome the tough defensive matchup. I think we know the Steelers are going to want to run the offense th- through their running backs rather than put the hands uh, put the game in the hands of Mitch Trubisky, their backup quarterback. So um, Ford's a decent play against the Jaguars. I-, I think I actually feel better about the Cleveland offense now with Joe Flacco at quarterback than I did when they had D- Deshaun Watson. At quarterback which seems really weird but um I, I still like Jalen Warren just a smidge more than Jerome Ford
1: that is a good point that offense potentially getting to gel a little bit more maybe hopefully kind of so if Flacco officially gets this job uh Chris how about you who would you rather Jerome Ford or Jalen Warren
3: I am on the other side of this Ooh. one and uh, I, I I like Jerome Ford a lot. Like, I like him a lot. And I'm going to go heavy on Jerome Ford this week. The only thing working against him has clearly been some of that usage. He's had nine carries in two straight games, um, though the, he's had seen an uptick in the passing game. So, like, they're committed to giving him, like, 12-plus touches. I obviously want more of that. But this is a horrible matchup for the Steelers. Yes, there could be more offensive opportunities because of how bad the Patriots are. And yes, both these running backs have been great. Now, if it's just Jalen Warren, I'm going to change my tune because that's part of the problem as well. The firing of Matt Canada did not unleash Jalen Warren. It actually opened up Najee Harris a little bit more. Both of these guys high end on uh, and you'd be surprised that uh, Najee is up there, but both, you know, breakaway 10 plus yard plays elusive. I mean, these guys are both near up there. Obviously, Jalen Warren, a more elusive back, but they are in a split in a really bad matchup. With a bad team, they lost a quarterback. They got Mitch Trubisky. Could they rely on the run more? Yeah, maybe. But it's a really tough defense where Jerome Ford, not necessarily. Jags are giving up the third most receiving yards to running backs over last month. And he has seen an uptick in that part of his game. Ford is also the 17th scoring running back over the last month. Hilariously, 15 and 16. Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. So they're all clumped together in that group. But I like Jerome Ford to break some big plays here. I really hate the short week with a uh, new quarterback in and the matchup for the Steelers running back. So it's not that I'm fading them completely, but I trust Jerome Ford quite a bit more here. So I'm going with Ford.
1: Mm, 15, 16, and 17 there for the Pittsburgh running backs and Jerome Ford. That's kind of that's terrifying. It says a lot about RB twos right now. Unfortunately, I'll I'll be the tiebreaker here. Um, typically, I I lean in towards Jerome Ford, but despite the fact that Joe Mixon did in fact tear up the Jaguars defense last week, I still think they're very stout against the run. I lean towards. Jalen Warren and the potential upside that he has from a pass-catching capability. We're going to do one more who would you rather here. We've got Roshan Johnson versus the Lions. We talked about him earlier. And then Tajay Spears versus the Dolphins here. This one is interesting. Uh, uh, Chris, I'll start off with you here. Who would you rather, Roshan or Tajay Spears?
3: I I hate that you started me with this one because I've been staring at this one. (laughs) I think this one's impossible. If that mystery concussion that didn't exist was there with Derrick Henry, I would have number one wavered Tajay Spears. I don't care if Ramondre's out. It was all Tajay Spears. He would be the clear-cut guy without question. But he's not, and Derrick Henry is back. And that opens up some stuff. The Dolphins, they've given up the third least fantasy points to running backs over the last month. So I don't love the matchup. And Roshan, I do think there's a possibility in everything we talked about before I think the possibility to what Pat alluded to is that he could get unleashed this week. We saw him get the brunt of everything last week. We could see it again, even though everybody is healthy. So that's the thing we have to kind of reckon with lions. They're around middle of the pack, but they are tied for the most rushing touchdowns over the last month. And they've given up the third most in receiving yards to running backs. And that is somewhere where Roshan lives. So I think Tajay Spears is the better like player. I'm going to go with Roshan here. I'm going to say Roshan simply because I think there's a possibility we could see more volume than we're expecting. But I will tell you, if we get any little inkling of like, hey, Derrick Henry is kind of banged up and might be tapering back, I'm probably going to go back to Tajay Spears because I think he is the better player. Pat, how about you? Same
2: uh, take on this basically as well. So it's a really close call. I'm leaning Roshan, hoping that what we saw in Week 12 is a uh, the start of a trend with Roshan playing more. Don't know if that's going to be the case or not, but I I think we feel a little bit better about the matchup now than we might have early in the season when you just couldn't run on Detroit. Now um, they're going to be without one of their starting defensive tackles, and I'm I'm forgetting his name, which I feel bad about. I think Alex Anzalone, their linebacker, is also questionable. So um, we're not getting a fully healthy Detroit run defense, and uh, they have not been quite as tough lately as they were early in the season. The thing about Tajay Spears, like I could talk myself into a scenario where he does have a smash game, even with Derrick Henry playing because they're big underdogs like, you know, 13, 14 points against the Dolphins this week. Spears is the passing down back. Maybe Spears is on the field a lot more than he would be under normal circumstances. Um, And again, as Welsh said, like if there was some sort of concussion with Derrick Henry or his availability is in doubt, yes, Spears would then get the nod. But the thing is, like, we just don't have any guarantees that Spears gets even half a dozen touches in this game. And I think we can feel pretty good that Roshan is getting like at least six to ten. Uh, just don't have that comfort level with Spears touch volume.
1: It is a clean sweep. I agree with you guys. It is Roshan for me.
2: Wide receivers.
1: Now we're going to look here at this top 25. And Chris, I'll start off with you. What really stands out here
3: with this group? One of the things that jumps out to me is the but you know what i said this on the running back show i should be careful i am I almost want to delete what i just said i was like we're really jumping back into trusting jeff and justin jefferson at the very tippy top but i don't know what silly thing is going through my brain i do kind of like jordan <laughs> addison i i guess just with how slow it's gone I was a little eye-opening to see that the consensus rankers already threw him back at top at top 5 especially when like specifically Stefan Diggs is somebody that I like this week and there's a lot of other good wideouts but again that's it's a little bit more arbitrary to ranks here you're starting him no matter what I've got him in some leagues I get to throw him back out here in week 14 but I guess the the trust of how far up he can go. I will tell you one guy that stands out to me that I really love that is kind of teetering in that top 10 area. And I'm going to have higher probably than most is DJ Moore this week. And specifically it's for DJ Moore, it has been about just the return of Justin Fields. Because prior to that injury, those last two weeks before Fields had gotten hurt, we saw Justin Fields and like or we saw DJ Moore, I believe, with two top five finishes. Well, since he's returned he has had a six and a twelve Finish in half point PPR. He's had 22 targets and 18 receptions over those games. This weekend against the Lions, he's also given the fifth best wide receiver cornerback matchup according to PFF. And the Lions have given up the fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers over the last month seven receiving touchdowns that is tied for the most as well targets are up there receptions are up there so justin fields makes dj Moore a high-end wide receiver one this matchup works and it's a bad corner matchup for dj Moore this is a prime spot for him to thrive he comes in at number 10 i legit think he could be close into a top five this week so i am firmly firmly on dj Moore.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all on that one. A lot of times people look at Detroit and they think about the progress that defense has made. And it has made real progress, but you were 100% right. They have been lit up through the air. Teams try to keep pace with Amon Ross May-Brown and Jared Goff. They're higher scoring games and it just keeps happening over and over and over again. you got to trust that even in a divisional matchup where things can go a little sideways sometimes. Pat, how about you? What stands out here?
2: Yeah, uh, DJ Moore being in the top ten is one of them for sure. But totally agree with. Well, she deserves to be there. Like he and Justin Fields have just clicked, and the matchup is great. Also in the top ten, and it's nice to see Michael Pittman. I was flagged for a false start penalty on Michael Pittman in twenty twenty, <laughs> where uh, you know I was ahead of the snap count, and um, oddly enough, Michael Pittman finally uh, you know locking in here as a wide receiver one. With Gardner Minshew at quarterback and Minshew is just peppering Pittman with targets week after week after week. So it's uh, it's been all volume for Pittman and it has been glorious. One of the guys I'm questioning whether he should be ranked as high as he is Nico Collins, who I love and I, I know Welsh is high on too. And Welsh made a great call when I was on a show with him and Scott Bogman earlier in the year. Back when Nico was like in the 30s or 40s of the wide receiver rankings, uh, Welsh, like he was his pick to click that week. And Nico did indeed have like some smash game. It might have been a two touchdown game for him. I like him a lot, but man, the Jets have just uh, annihilated wide receivers this year like they just erase good wide receivers so even with tank dell out and maybe nico in for a target bump i just don't know if i can get on board with nico inside the top 20 for week 14
3: i want to just jump in i completely and thank you for the nice shout out but i completely agree because nico's (laughs) like two straight weeks of 100 yards plus he's had 21 targets two touchdowns everything is ramping up and then sauce I mean, it's like you said, it's not just like the entire secondary, like he's going to get locked up with no tank sauce is going to be locked on Nico Collins. And that opens up actually why I kind of will probably talk about later. I like some of the other pieces there, but I completely agree with you Pat. Nico is tough to get into the big range. The bigger question is when you're talking about the top 25, is it scary enough that he can't start? And that's what I struggle with. I don't think he should be as high as the consensus ranks. I think that's like a no-brainer. You're definitely pinpointing that. But like, is it bad enough that you take Nico and you go, all right, he's eighteen, which is already pretty low relative to like, you know, his performance. That's where he's at right now on the fantasy pros consensus ranks. But it's like, do you go outside the top twenty five? You know, you start Guys like Brandon Cooks, who we'll talk about, I mean, like how bad does it get? So that that's the tricky part about how everybody's starting here. But Nico is shouldn't be as valued as well as his performance has been because this is a brutal one.
1: Yeah, I'm with you guys here. This one is this one is really tough here. You want to love and be all in on Nico on this one, but you can't deny what Sauce does to opposing wide receivers. You can't deny it. I will go back, Pat, to what you were saying about Michael Pittman. I too. I too fall started. I was one year ahead. Um, but it's okay. Cause that means that just means we got him at value this year in terms of drafting him. I will shameless plug the Scott Fishbowl. He's been like. He's been one of the most, the brightest spots of my team. Michael Pittman just absolutely showing out. The target volume is incredible. All right. We're going to go ahead and jump into the tiers here. We'll start off with the B tier before we get into it. um, As a reminder, you can find our consensus rankings and all the analysis that you need on these players at fantasypros.com slash rankings and make sure that you are also using the My Playbook app for updated rankings as well. Now this B tier here, we're gonna pull out one person here. Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup. Jaden Reed and Calvin Ridley and Garrett Wilson. This is a good little tier here with some guys with some potential upside. Very interesting to see Brandon cooks moved so far up here, but you know, matchup and opportunity and he's been consistent, but he's not the guy that we're actually pulling up here. Oh no, no, no. It is Garrett Wilson that we want to talk about here. Garrett Wilson with, as of the filming of this right here, we don't know who that quarterback is going to be, unfortunately. ECR has him at wide receiver 29. Pat, you've got him at wide receiver 24. Chris, you got him at wide receiver 28. You're in line with consensus. Pat, you're feeling a little bit more positive. Are you, is it, is this regardless of who's at quarterback? Are you feeling maybe that we get a nice little bump here if Zach Wilson, crazy to say, but we will get a bump if Zach Wilson comes back here.
2: Yeah. I can't get over that, that, um, it has come to that for Garrett Wilson investors that we are actually hoping, uh, for the return of Zach Wilson (laughs) at quarterback. Um, but like, let's face it, Zach Wilson would be a vast improvement over Tim Boyle, whose two starts were disastrous and who was released earlier this week. Um, but look, Garrett Wilson is still getting targets, uh, and of course he is like, he is the only game in town for the jets that the jets have no other credible wide receiver. So Wilson is averaging 10 targets a game this season. And despite all the quarterback woes, he is still on pace for 95 receptions. So um, like Garrett Wilson, that just shows how good this guy is that you could have a quarterback situation as nightmarish as the jets QB situation has been all season and still threaten 100 catches So, um, no, the quality of the targets isn't going to be great, no matter who's at quarterback for the Jets this week. But I do think the volume makes Wilson a low-end wide receiver, too.
1: Chris, your thoughts around Garrett Wilson?
3: Yeah, I I just don't love the matchup uh specifically going up against Stingley. That's that's the thing that that stands out to me. This is a especially if it is going to be a full-on cover to cover, this doesn't bode well for Garrett Wilson, especially with how that offense works. What what would is if they and Zach Wilson is back, they decide to get back to those days of 13-14 targets. I mean, between week 6 and week 10, Garrett Wilson did not have less than 12 targets, which is pretty absurd the problem though as of recent and you know this could be fixed with just zach wilson coming back hilariously but he hasn't had he hasn't eclipsed 50 yards in three straight games and he's not a touchdown play against a pretty tough defense though when you look at the totality of it the texans are like around 11th or 12th most fantasy points given up to wide receivers so that's interesting but i think it comes at the the cost of shutting garrett wilson down with stingley because he's a great corner so um i think the uncertainty around the jets offense and who mans it this week and the tough matchup it's one of the worst quarterback uh, wide receiver ratings of the week uh, cornerback wide receiver ratings of the week that I'm just trying to stay away from Garrett Wilson and I don't have big trust. So that's why I dropped him down out of the wide receiver two range. Yeah,
1: that's a very good point. Always pay attention to the matchups. We all know sauce. We all know Patrick Sertan, but Derek Stanley jr. Another one that you got to watch out for there. Very good point there. We talk a lot about what makes winners on this show. And there's one thing all teams, coaches and players have in common Preparation. Planning is key to everyday life too, and a great way to be prepared for the unexpected is to join AirMedCare Network, America's largest air ambulance membership network. AirMedCare Network providers operate state-of-the-art helicopters that can respond to critically ill or injured patients who need emergency medical transport. These flights can be expensive, but as an AirMedCare Network member, you won't see a bill for your flight only when flown by one of their providers. That's right, you'd pay nothing you can become a member of AirMedCare Network for just $99 per year. And right now, our listeners get up to an $80 MasterCard or Amazon e-gift card when they join and use offer code FANTASYPROS. That's FANTASYPROS with no spaces. Make financial peace of mind part of your game plan. Visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash fantasypros. We're going to move on to the B minus tier. It's a tiny tier, so we'll mention a couple players, but we've got Adam Thielen there, Deontay Johnson, and then the C plus tier, Gabe Davis, Drake London, Josh Downs, Jacoby Myers, Tyler Lockett, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, right back to back. Very interesting there. But we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to start off talking here about Jacoby Myers. And this one is going to (laughs) be, this one is fascinating. I'm very interested to see what you guys are seeing around this one, because this is dramatic. We've had some dramatic differences from ECR in the past. You know, we're not always right on line with it or within five spots or something, but this one is pretty dramatic here. ECR has him at wide receiver 31. Pat, you got him at wide receiver 45. Chris, you got him at wide receiver 38. You guys you're not feeling Jacoby Myers. I'm not going to argue with you on that one. So I'm leaning that direction too. But Pat, I'll start with you because you're 14 whole spots back. Talk to us about Jacoby Myers here.
2: Yeah, boy. Um, He and Jimmy Garoppolo clicked earlier this season. They had a mind meld going like that was, uh, it was making Jacoby Myers like a, a solid wide receiver too but since the firing of uh Josh McDaniels and and now with Aiden O'Connell at quarterback for the Raiders um since the firing of Josh McDaniels 4 games ago 4.8 targets a game for Jacoby Myers he is just not as prominently involved as he was earlier in the season he is like needing remarkable efficiency he's averaging like 10 yards per target over those four games um, just to get to 46.8 yards a game over his last four. So um, just not involved enough in the Las Vegas offense for you to feel good about starting Jacoby Myers this week.
1: Yeah, and it's funny, you know. I think as we as we are speaking, literally, I think he is dropping an ECR. Like I can see it ticking. If there was a little <laughs> clock, like a countdown of players moving, we would see Jacoby Myers trickling down as people start to realize maybe they're, you know, honing in on our experts here and saying, "Huh, we might be a little aggressive on Jacoby Myers." Talk to us about Jacoby Myers, Chris.
3: Yeah, people are just starting to put in their ranks, <laughs> and they're like, "No, no, no." I think it's hard to get super excited about. Him, I mean, I, I guess I, I have him higher than Pat, but Pat and I both are just like he's not a wide receiver three. It's not something you want to, you don't want to bank on him this week because also I think the like high end upside doesn't exist. He has not eclipsed one, eclipsed one hundred yards this entire season since that quarterback change. This the game against Kansas City that was the highest reception a yard total he had had all year on seventy nine. I don't have a big trust in him. Now, here's the thing I will throw out, though. Coming off of a bye and reestablishing, having an extra week to get back into that offense. I do think there's a possibility if they want to get back to where they were before. You can't just throw to Devontae Adams like Antonio Pierce talked about every single game. You've got to split it up. They started using Hunter Renfro again a little bit, which that muddies this because that was the thing that. Made Jacoby Myers so great is he was the secondary piece to Devonte Adams when uh, defenses were, you know, locked into coverage. The Vikings have also played a little bit better, but they're still giving up the tenth most fantasy points um, on the season. They've given up a ton of yards. I think they're in like the top twelve as far as that goes. I think there's a possibility that Myers could overperform in how he's done over the last, let's say, two months but I'm not going to bank on it. And I think that's what everybody sees. The upside is lacking with Jacoby Myers, and that's why he's outside the top 36.
1: Another guy here that you guys are not banking on, Gabe Davis. I guess you're not feeling Gabe Davis boom week here. ECR has him at wide receiver 34. Pat, you got him at wide receiver 40. Chris, you got him at wide receiver 37. You guys not feeling Gabe. I get it. You got to really just kind of let go of the reins and embrace the potential downfall of zero points compared to the massive upside, but it's so risky. And here we are in week 14 playoffs. Can you take the risk? Chris, I'll start off with you. Are you, are you willing to take this risk with Gabe Davis?
3: I mean, I'm clearly not, but I'll do it over Jacoby Myers. This, that's a friend (laughs) thing. Jacoby Myers, I have them back to back. Myers is like, cool. I got five catches for 40 yards, half PPR. What did that get me? Like six points, six and a half points. Gabe Davis is, as you said, boom or bust. He is the epitome of boom or bust. Philly, week 12, 105 yards, 20 points and half PPR, seventh wide receiver. The week before that against the Jets, nothing. Week before that, Denver, six targets, 34th overall at wide receiver, nine points, nothing against Cincinnati in week nine. So he scored more points in week 12 than he did in week nine, 10, and 11 combined. And that's not the only time he's done that. He's had three other single-digit scoring like under five-point days this year. So it is solely about, do you believe, will he do that boom? And I don't like to bank on that type of stuff. Uh, Kansas City, obviously, if you're playing from behind, you're gonna be slang on the ball, but I think the Bills want to run a decent amount. Kincaid has been a bigger force in the offense. I'm not super interested in Gabe Davis unless I am going for an absolute home run play. He's a no he's a no in you know, DFS formats and stuff like that, because you can't take that big zero. So this just isn't my type of player. Gabe Davis isn't mine. Um, Obviously those big highs are huge highs, but um, you know, like, you know, like your electricity bill, you know, you can pay every month or you can get the equalizer. I'm an equalizer type of guy. I'm not a like, oh, I'll take the discount this month and pay a little bit. Give me the equalizer. So what I know what I have, that (laughs) might be boring. And it's me getting older, but he's not the equalizer.
1: Oh, that's a good point. I guess I'm not the equalizer. I'm more pro Gabe Davis than I should be. But, Pat, tell me why I should not, because you were even further back on Gabe Davis this week. It's not a it's not a great matchup, although Kansas City's defense has kind of been reeling a little bit lately, struggling, trying to, you know, hold things together over there in Kansas City. But at the end of the day, it's still a tough matchup here.
2: Yeah, um, it's funny how quickly people have climbed back aboard the Gabe Davis bandwagon uh, because from week 10 to week 12, Gabe Davis had two catches over a three-game stretch, like two catches. Uh, then he has 105 yards and a touchdown against an Eagles defense that has been absolutely barbecued by wide receivers for the last month and a half or more. And, uh, you know, now Davis is back in everyone's good graces. <sighs> it's funny like davis early in the season he is very big play dependent and i get it uh it's exactly what welsh was talking about like it you were getting consistent production from him early in the season but it wasn't volume driven at all it was just that he was making big plays so reliably and so consistently like he was just managing to pop every week despite the modest target counts he was getting but now like Things have changed because we have seen Dalton Kincaid and Khalil Shakir get more involved in the Buffalo offense, and that has diminished the role of Gabe Davis even further, and he didn't have a great role to begin with. So now the usage is really dicey. Um, Yeah, last week, big spike in usage against a bad Eagles pass defense. But I don't think that means that we should trust Gabe Davis going forward. Yeah, debatable whether uh, the Chiefs matchup is a good one or a bad one. I'm I'm considering it kind of neutral for the purposes of this. But, man, I just don't think we can count on target volume. So I've got to leave Gabe Davis out of the top 36.
1: Oh, man, that one is a that one is a tough one for me. But you guys, you guys are right. (laughs) Philadelphia's defense, the gift that keeps on giving. Moving on to the, moving on to the C tier here, we've got, it's a big tier here. And I always say this, C's get you degrees. This is it right here. This is the, the tier that can, it could get you somewhere. There are quite a few guys that you can pull out of here. We're going to talk about one in particular. Um, Going down the list, I mean, we've got Elijah Moore, potential concussion to Amari Cooper. We've got Jordan Addison, T. Higgins, George Pickens, Odell, Beckham Jr., Chris Godwin, Romeo Dobbs, Demario Douglas, Noah Brown, Jerry it's quite. It's quite the tier here of guys that you can flex. And the one that we want to talk about here is Jordan Addison. And people are a little bit concerned here. ECR has him at wide receiver 40. The Justin Jefferson factor really getting people here. We talked about him in the opening of the show when we talked about the overall rankings and the fact that Justin Jefferson has jumped up so high already. Pat, you've got Jordan Addison here at wide receiver 32. Chris, you got him at wide receiver 34. So you guys are more pro Jordan Addison than ECR right here is. So Pat, I'll start off with you. Um, what What are your expectations for Jordan Addison this week?
2: Maybe I am being a little overly optimistic. I mean, I I do think the return of Justin Jefferson devalues uh, Jordan Addison somewhat. But in the first five weeks of the season when Jefferson was healthy, Addison had 19 catches for 249 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, He was at least flex-worthy back then. And granted, that was with Kirk Cousins, at quarterback for the Vikings, Um, and he was throwing at one of the highest rates in the league. Josh Dobbs is not the passer that Kirk Cousins is, and he's probably not throwing it 40 times this week, uh, at least not if the Vikings actually want to win the game. Ultimately, though, I am betting on Jordan Addison's talent. Like, this is a really good player, and I don't hate the matchup at all against the Raiders. So uh, I think that even though he's probably not seeing double-digit targets this week, um, that he can do enough to be, like, Worthy of a wide receiver three or a flex spot in your lineup?
1: Yeah, this is a tough one here. I mean, you hit it, you hit the nail right on the head there. Yes, we've got a change at quarterback here, and that does affect things. And it makes us, you know, a little bit weary of what we can expect from Jordan Addison with Justin Jefferson. But talent is talent. And we saw immediately in the beginning of the season the way that he was able to dominate in terms of being uh, having that touchdown equity. It should continue. And I tend to be a little bit higher on him as well. Chris, you're a little bit higher. You've got him at wide receiver 34. Talk to us about Jordan Addison.
3: Yeah, Pat talked exactly about where I was going to kind of go with this. Um he kind of thrived the big key with with J- Justin Jefferson. The key and the difficulty here is like what Kirk Cousins did and and what Dobbs Willard or whoever they're going to be starting at quarterback. Like how much does that change because he did score 3 touchdowns in 5 games played with uh, Justin Jefferson. He also had three top 24 finishes, fantasy finishes with Justin Jefferson. So over 50% of the time he finished as a wide receiver too, with Justin Jefferson uh, on his side. It's just like, how different is this offense going to be ran now? Because one of the things you look and like, this is something that could, you can see it as a positive or a negative, however you want. Justin Jefferson has the eighth most red zone targets in the NFL right now. He's also got the he's top 10 in red zone target percentage. Okay, but how heavily weighted is that? I didn't look at the break between Kirk Cousins and Dobbs here. He was scoring a lot of touchdowns while Kirk Cousins was the guy he has scored. uh, Jordan Addison has scored one touchdown since week eight. And now Justin Jefferson is going to come in and he's going to obviously have a big red zone share. I just think a lot of people. You'll look at these number twos. I mean, we're talking up guys like, you know, Brandon Cooks and whatnot, and people look at number twos and they can thrive as wide receiver twos or threes in fantasy. But Justin Jefferson comes back and everyone goes, okay, well, Addison is now no longer startable. That's not the case. If anything, you're going to have worse cornerback matchups against Addison. He does great things with the ball in his hand. I think he's still going to get targets. He had 10 targets last week and you had a buy in between this. I feel relatively safe that we're going to still see six to eight targets for Addison, and he will surprise, and he can be a top three wide receiver in fantasy. And Justin Jefferson probably just makes him better. And hopefully Dobbs or whoever, Jaron Hall, whoever.
1: That's a good point here. I mean, maybe there's some bias seeping in here of people pushing him back because of Justin Jefferson, but we were going through the tiers earlier. We saw how high Brandon Cooks is now, despite the um, dominance of CeeDee Lamb. So you can't, you can't overlook these wide receivers too, just because you think that they're not going to be able to produce. And Jordan Addison is one of those guys. Moving on to the C minus tier here. We've got Khalil Shakir, Jonathan Mingo. Zay Jones, kind of interesting over here with the injury to Christian Kirk, maybe he starts to trickle up a little bit here. Jalen Hyatt, Alec Pierce, and then the D plus tier as well with Jamison Williams, Devontae Parker, Tyler Boyd, we'll kind of combine these two tiers here just for the sake of numbers for us to talk about. Is there anyone in particular in Pat, I'll start off with you that you um, would be interested in pulling from this tier?
2: Oh, um, the uptick in usage for Jonathan Mingo is kind of interesting, but I'm I'm more interested for 2024, I think, than uh, putting the most important weeks of the season in the hands of uh, the rookie. But he's he's intriguing for sure. Like Devontae Parker, if Demario Douglas does not clear concussion protocol, which he apparently had not yet as of this recording and they have a Thursday night game. Boy, uh, Devontae Parker, as uh, you know, gross as it would be to put him in your lineup in maybe a must-win Week 14 game, um, he did have four catches for 64 yards last week, and you have to figure he's going to be involved again this week if there's no Demario Douglas.
1: You you heard it first here. We talked about Ezekiel Elliott earlier. Now we're talking about Devontae Parker. We're pro New England Patriots. I'm kidding. That's a joke. We're not New <laughs> England Patriots here. This is a desperation heave that that Pat is right about. Volume could exist if Demario Douglas is unable to suit up. Uh, Chris, from this from this tier here, who are you looking at?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm glad Pat pivoted back off of Mingo because it's Mingo for me 100%. He gave a little bit of taste and then he just, uh, you know, boom off of it because I want Mingo. 16 targets over the last two games, 10 catches. He's had at least 60 yards in both of these. Thielen gets a lot of the number one coverage. And anytime, I mean, if you, I know it's hard to watch uh, Panthers games, but you watch Mingo is getting stared down whether he's being thrown to or not. On a heavy amount of drives right now. Like he has been, he's gone from, you know, whatever it was, first look to Thielen to Sanders to Chuba. He has now become like a second, first to second look at all times. Now, the problem is the Saints are a much rougher matchup for wide receivers, fourth least fantasy points given up over the last, uh, or actually on the entire season, but because you can run on them and Chuba might adjust this a little bit. They're also doing short yardage passes to Mingo, which is what Thielen, we saw a lot of Thielen making big plays. I think you can get some volume out of Mingo, and this is a pretty brutal tier of wide receiver. There's some names. There's some fun ones. Um, I don't mind the Devonte Parker if DeMario Douglas is out, like you mentioned. I think Quinton Johnston is thriving a little bit, and the target shares are at least going up, but this is the guy, Jonathan Mingo. I agree. 2024 is probably the place. But I think we're going to look back on this back half of the year with Jonathan Mingo and we'll we'll reference what has happened in the back half to why we love him so much uh, next year.
1: I agree. Um, in my top 10 waiver wire, Jonathan Mingo made the cut this week. So I'm on board here as well. I think as we, you know, get towards the end here, season, you know, looking to next year and building upon not really preparing for the playoffs because it's not going to happen, preparing for the future, we could see an uptick in terms of these younger players, Jonathan Mingo being one of them. Moving on to the D tier here. It is a big tier. It is jo- Darnell Mooney, Justin Watson, Darius Slayton, DJ Clark A.T. Perry. Cedric Tillman, Jalen Guyton, Dontavian Wicks, Rashad Bateman, Trey Palmer, and Christian Watson, and we'll we'll see. Is there anything we can pull here? And and I'll you know spoiler alert, Pat, you know who I'm going to pull here. I think you can already predict it here, but I'll 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 wait for you guys to take your pickings here. Um, Chris, I'll start off with you from this tier. Is there anybody that you would like
3: to pull? And this is a pretty brutal one. Dontavian Wicks, I think, is interesting. Um, I don't think that as you'd be your guy. I mean, we're going to talk about yeah. it here in a little bit. <laughs> Give me every single Packer this week. Um, every Packer I love more than... I, I'm i saying this rhetorically, not to you guys, but I love them more than you. So maybe not you, but like whoever's <laughs> out there. I love Packers this week. And Wicks is sneaky. And part of the problem with the Packers has been they just got so many like nice weapons and love has stepped up. If Watson is out... Dobbs up, Jaden Reed up, and Wicks is super sneaky. So Wicks is probably the one that jumps out to me, but boy, do I not like most of these players. So I'm glad actually now I got to go first because Wicks is probably the only guy I would have some interesting, because by the way, I mean, I'm going to mention it, but like the Giants are like the worst. Over the last month, they've given up the most fantasy points to wide receivers. Uh, I think they've given up the most receptions or tied 57 receptions. It, it's bad. It's bad for the Giants, and this is a very good matchup for all Packers.
1: You did. You spoiled it. It is Dontavian makes <laughs> for me one hundred percent. It's it's funny. We see, you know, the potential of Christian Watson going out. A lot of times, these these wide receivers, you know, you're like, okay, it'll go to the third option, so we'll get an uptick for. Romeo Dobbs or Jane Reed. And, you know, you'll see that. But a lot of times with these receivers, if there's one specifically that slots into the exact role of the player that goes out, they see the most benefit there. And that's Dontavian Wick slotting in exactly for that role that Christian Watson plays, that big play receiver. And we already have seen the connection that Jordan Love has. They clearly trust him. Him and Matt LaFleur trust Dontavian Wicks already. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for the potential of what he can be if we have extended missed time from Christian Watson here. Pat, is there is it Dontavian Wicks for you? Is there anyone else here that you can pull?
2: It is Dontavian Wicks. And if it weren't for Jaden Reed being so impressive as a rookie, I think people would be talking about uh, Wicks being like one of the uh, under-praised under gems of this rookie receiver class. He's been really good. But another guy who's kind of in the same category as far as a rookie who is maybe going to be thrust into a bigger role, um, Cedric Tillman. And, like, I really like Cedric Tillman as this, like, big-bodied bully of a, a wide receiver and kind of a nice compliment to Elijah Moore, if indeed Amari Cooper is out this week. And we've seen Joe Flacco sort of reinvigorate the Cleveland passing game. Maybe Tillman could be kind of a sneaky play this week if you, you know, are pretty desperate at wide receiver.
1: Oh, I liked Tillman too this draft season. I was uh, disappointed he went into such a crowded receiving room there because I liked him more than Jalen Hyatt as somebody who could translate a little bit more in the NFL. So I'm 100% on board with you on that one as well. By the way, everyone, if you want a chance to win a signed DK Metcalf Seattle Seahawks jersey courtesy of Pristine Auction, the premier autograph sports memorabilia auction house, you need to subscribe to the Fantasy Pros YouTube channel right now. Comment below on any video and that is it. We'll be announcing the winner on the channel, so make sure you turn on notifications so you can know when new videos are up and claim your prize. Now we're going to move on to another who would you rather segment here. And this is a fun one. I would never guess that we would be doing this. Who would you rather with this first one here? But it is Cooper Cup versus Brandon Cooks. Crazy. We're here, but we're here. Oh, man. Pat, I'll start off with you. Cooper Cup or Brandon Cooks.
2: Oh, this brings up the dilemma about how long to hold on to your priors. And uh, right now, I am holding on to my—I'm—I'm I'm clinging to my Cooper Cup priors, like Leonardo DiCaprio at the end of Titanic, clinging to the wreckage. Uh, I think hypothermia is starting to set in, and I'm—I'm going to go under the surface of the water pretty soon here, because Cup has been held underneath 50 receiving yards for six straight games. Uh, maybe his ankle still isn't right. Maybe it won't be right for the rest of the season, and the matchup against the Ravens this week is is just toxic. But, man, we know how good Cooper Cup can be, and I, I feel like he's still a good bet to get seven or eight targets. And, like, I know I'm going to get this actual question, Cup versus Woods, or, yeah, Cup versus Cooks, from at least, like, one Twitter follower, someone on Discord this week, and I'm going to tell them Cup, and they're just going to be like, Really? You know, like, I I don't think they're going to believe it, but I feel like we could look back on this one and be like, you know, cup winds up with eight catches for 90 yards. And like, why were we going to the guy who's only had five uh, or more targets like a few times this season? And, And that's it. Cooks has seen more than five targets in only two games this year. And yeah, he has been crazy efficient and the touchdown rate has been through the roof and the Dallas passing game has just looked, splendid over the last month and a half but i don't know if we can count on that sort of volume uh resulting in like you know great fantasy point totals week after week after week the way they have so far and and yes going against the eagles this great matchup and and everyone just roasts the eagles but i do still think cup is the slightly better percentage play and i know i'm in the minority of rankers who feel that way
1: this is such a tough one for me here. I'm gonna, oh man, Chris, I'm gonna let you do this one first because for everything that Pat said, the matchup here, it just, it's so hard for me to let go of my pride and not say Cooper Cup when the matchup is just so juicy for Brandon Cooks. What, what's, which way are you leaning?
3: Yeah, I'm actually surprised that Pat and I are going to agree on this one. Not that Pat and I wouldn't agree. Um, Pat and I are on a lot of the actually we have a I think it's the same general space of uh, thought process, except he is just exponentially a better ranker than I am. (laughs) My God. But like this is this is a really funny one because it is like pure, true talent versus one of the best matchups of the week. My problem, and, and you probably get a vibe if you've listened to like the running back in this episode, really touchdown-dependent players I find difficult over just like core lockdown guys. Yes, Cooper Cup has struggled this year, but since the bye week, he has had an increase every single week in his target share. He had the one then five, then eight. He got a touchdown. This is a bad matchup, but he's starting to feel it a little bit. The confidence is getting back there. You know, Puka takes some focus away from that. I think, I kind of agree. I think you're going to get back into a big target share this week. Yes, that matchup is great for Brandon Cooks, but he's not the number one. And I'll just throw this out. Here are Brandon Cooks' finishes when he doesn't score a touchdown. 76, 89, 61, 81-97-49. 819749 if he doesn't score a touchdown he is all but one time not been a top 50 wide receiver so there is no core balance to like okay awesome he cut now he could go and catch 7 for 120 with no touchdown this week and he bucks that trend because it is the Eagles the Eagles also have a pretty hyper focus on how bad that secondary has been in this type of matchup they can't play down once again not to say that Brandon Cooks won't get involved but I'd bet on CeeDee Lamb. I'm not betting on Brandon Cooks. I'm going to bet on the guy that really actually didn't get me there, but I did invest high with. And I'm going to go with Cooper Cup this week, and which I know is a very critical week.
1: Oh, man. I don't know. I, I'm going to have to put some thought to this. You guys have almost convinced me. It's just so <laughs> tough for me not to lean into that matchup there and go with Brandon Cooks. I think I'm going Brandon Cooks. And I'll hate myself for it. Um, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, next week. All <laughs> right. One more. Who would you rather? Tyler Lockett versus the 49ers or Jaden Reed versus the Giants. We're talking about another Packer here. It's happy time for me and Pat. <laughs> Pat, who you got here?
2: Yeah. Go pack. Go. I'm going Jaden Reed in this one. Um, with Christian Watson dealing with this hamstring injury, Reed is going to have an enhanced role and his usage had been increasing even before the Watson injury. Um, not only the targets, but he's getting carries every week. Um, like he's helping to bolster the running game a little bit with Aaron Jones out for the Packers and a nice matchup this week against the giants. Welsh mentioned, um, you know, they've allowed the fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers on the season and the most over what the last four weeks. So yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigba's increasing role sort of diminishes the outlook for Tyler Lockett. And we know DK Metcalf is obviously going to be involved too, as he was last week going nuclear against Dallas. Um, it, It just leaves Lockett's floor a little more uncertain than it normally is. And it makes him more of a wide receiver three fringe flex guy. So give me Jaden Reed here.
1: Chris, how about you?
3: Yep. I mean, if you couldn't know that I was going to go with, I love Jaden Reed. I've been yelling about Jaden Reed for weeks here. And this is the best. It's literally the best matchup last month. Most fantasy points from the giants. He has had at least Jaden Reed, uh, four receptions in four straight games. And if Watson is out, there were the top two wide receivers were already given a favorable matchup. Um, up against the giants here and Jaden Reed. There's a possibility that like Wicks just jumps into the Watson role and everyone kind of sticks in, but that doesn't to me change that they're going to get Jaden Reed involved last week. He didn't have a rush. The two prior weeks, they started playing into rounds. I think that's something they get back to. He is uh, a touchdown target. He's the most explosive play guy here. I like Romeo Dobbs because I think Romeo Dobbs is going to be more volume. He's going to be one of those guys six or seven catches this week, but when a big play is made, a touchdown play, it's going to involve Jaden Reed. Um, You said it would lock it. I think DK Metcalf is the play this week against the 49ers. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to kind of run the infield. I'm okay with lock it, but I just don't see, I'm not overly excited. I don't think there's crazy upside. I think there's big upside with Jaden Reed and I might even talk about it. I don't know if I'll do it, but I might talk about it on the prop show this week on betting pros. I might go ladder betting with Jaden Reed here because his reception prop is going to probably be pretty low. It's probably going to be 30-40s. Maybe they're going to hold it a little bit with Watson, but um, I think a big game could be in store for Jaden Reed. So give me him.
1: It's a clean sweep here. Thank you for joining us on the pro Packer side. Chris, we appreciate it. (laughs) Now we're going to do one more flex segment here. Um, One more segment here for Flex Appeal. And this is a fun one. Uh, I know this is, you know, these are tough things for fantasy managers. We get these questions all the time. We do start sit shows all week and we get these questions between wide receivers and running backs and tight ends with the tight ends kind of creeping in there and making an impact here. And you gotta, you gotta be creative when you're trying to figure out how you're ranking these players in the flex. So I'm going to give you guys three players that fall into the flex zone and you're going to tell me how you would order these three players. Chris, I'm going to start off with you on this one. The first one is Keaton Mitchell, Adam Thielen, and Dalton Kincaid. How would you order these three?
3: Ooh, I am. I might do the thing that you're not supposed to do, and I'm going to flex the tight end over anybody right now. I mean, Dalton, we know Dalton Kincaid is at the tippy top of tight ends. Um, He's a touchdown threat. I think I'm very comfortable and know what I'm getting from him. did talk up earlier how in the running back ranks episode, how Keaton Mitchell's, you know, his continued usage is a really big positive, but they're still running like three guys out there, which is kind of annoying. And I think Adam Thielen, he just seems cooked. They just don't get him the ball. He doesn't find any separation on the back half of the year. So I'm going to order this Kincaid, Mitchell, and then Thielen. But I will tell you, I think Mitchell and Kincaid are closer than Thielen is to this.
1: Very interesting. Pat, how do you rank this one?
2: Oh, uh, I've got it. Thielen, Kincaid, Mitchell. Um, so yeah, I, I realize the bloom has sort of been off the rose with Thielen for a while now. His productivity has tapered off. We talked about the uptick in Jonathan Mingo's usage, but it's still a pretty narrow target distribution for the Panthers. who get nothing out of their tight ends and don't really get much out of their wide receivers beyond Thielen and Mingo. Um, And now he gets to face the deteriorating New Orleans Saints defense, which um, he faced a better version of back in week two, and Thielen had seven catches for 54 yards and a touchdown in that game. So yeah, give me Thielen. I I think you can make good cases for Kincaid and Mitchell. And uh, Tara, you mentioned when we were uh, talking about running backs this week that um, Keaton Mitchell's usage spiked a little bit in week 12. And, and maybe we're forgetting that. Maybe I'm forgetting that coming out of their bye week. Um, but I, I do think Thielen is the better percentage play here.
1: I will. Um, so we've got Keaton Mitchell in agreement last for both of you. And then you're flipped between Adam Thielen and Duncan Cade. I will play, I will break the tire breaker here and I'll make it super easy. It depends on if we get Dawson Knox back this week. If we get Dawson Knox back, I will mm-hmm. lean towards Pat's direction. If he's not going to play or if he's very limited and they ease him back in, I lean towards Chris's direction. So there you go. I've I solved it. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome, guys. What a peacemaker! Right. I I try I try. That's my role here. Chris is the better host. Um, he does all the heavy lifting on our Sunday live stream, and I just sit there and look pretty and answer questions. <laughs> and he does all the work. <laughs> Doing one more flex appeal question here. We've got Damian Pierce, Romeo Dobbs, and T Higgins. This is a this is more difficult than you might think here. Um, and Pat, I'll start off with you. How how do you order these three players?
2: I'm going Romeo Dobbs, T. Higgins, Damian Pierce. I think we know T. Higgins is the best player out of this group, but uh, Dobbs is is probably going to be really heavily involved. Welsh mentioned it, like six to seven catches, not out of the question with Christian Watson out and uh, the, the good matchup against the Giants. Higgins, though, is back to being playable. I think we saw that the Bengals passing game will at least be functional with Jake Browning at quarterback. But we also saw that Jake Browning likes to lean on Jamar Chase uh, for good reason. Maybe the best wide receiver in the game. So um, it's still a little hard to count on a decent target total for T. Higgins. And, uh, you know, while we did see Damian Pierce get 15 carries last week, it's still a little hard to trust him. Still kind of a split backfield for Houston. So, yeah, Romeo Dobbs, I think, is the safest bet here.
1: Chris, how do you order this one?
3: I'm... Also going Romeo Dobbs at the top. I think that's the core piece here. I flipped. uh, I have Damian Pierce at two and Higgins at three. Jamar Chase is Browning's number one, number two, number three, number four, number five target. So (laughs) it is going to be Jamar Chase all day long. Irwin was getting involved. So I'm just I'm just not interested in Higgins. Um, Not that I'm not that interested uh, or that interested in Damian Pierce, but the 15 carries, maybe more of an up. I mean, they showed us like, hey, we're going to give him more. So what does that equate to this week? So, you know, I'm bringing Singletary down. He still is in a split backfield, but I'll trust that. Also, maybe him getting goal line carries and maybe getting a touchdown. I think the probability of Pierce getting a touchdown over Higgins is bigger, but Romeo Dobbs, the main guy for everything we talked about before with the matchup and how great and how much the Packers uh, have been as far as p- the passing game goes, that Dobbs is just kind of an easy core play here. I mean, we, we've talked about some wide receivers earlier on in this show that we might have been floating around wide receiver threes, but it's like you can put Dobbs there. Dobbs is not even ranked in that. Faci- well, where is Dobbs ranked right now? Do we even look at Ooh. that? Do- Dobbs is ranked 44 in half PPR in Fantasy Ooh. Pros Consensus. Uh, yeah, if you guys can't see it, uh, Pat's face was disgusted because, and I agree, he's a top thirty-six wide receiver this week. If uh, obviously assuming Watson is out here, and that's what we're doing, so Dobbs is the uh, the big play here.
1: Yeah, I I agree. There, it is a it's a clean sweet Romeo Dobbs at the top. There, um, we successfully did our due diligence. Of recommending every Packers wide receiver and conveniently saying <laughs> nothing about A.J. <laughs> Dillon. It's our brand here. That's what we like to do. Um, but when it comes to Damian Pierce or T. Higgins in that second spot for me, I I lean towards T. Higgins over Damian Pierce, and it's just the matchup here. I I, I like this matchup for continued volume for Drake Jake Browning, and hopefully we get. One more game removed from injury. T Higgins, a little bit more workload for them. So that's my only hope there. But yes, it is good. This was a fun game here. Flex appeal is always a good one. And by the way, if you have any tough decisions as well with questions like this, you can get a full breakdown of everything that you need to know with the who should I start tool in my playbook. It is fantastic. All right, that wraps things up with our rankings this week. If you have any questions, as always, we are live each and every thursday on youtube at 3 p.m shameless plug chris and i are also live on sunday you can catch us out there in the morning doing start sick questions and if you want to see more advice from pat make sure that you go check out his rankings they are fantastic just go to fantasypros.com slash fits very easy there you can find chris at is it the welsh you can find pat at fits underscore ff and you can find me at it's Teratime time for pat Fitzmorris for chris welsh I'm Tara Roberts. Thank you for tuning in.
0: Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. If you love the show, the best free way to support us is by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts at fantasypros.com slash review or on Spotify. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at fantasypros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasypros.